is a UFC Fight Pass special report. UFC 265 preview. Derek the Black Beast Lewis. Cyril Gaon. For the interim UFC heavyweight championship of the world. Extra rounds presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Here's your host. TJ DeSantis. We are live here on UFC Fight Pass, courtesy of Extra Rounds. TJ DeSantis, Ray Longo, Pearl Gonzalez getting ready for UFC 265. It is this Saturday night. Houston, Texas is the setting inside the Toyota Center. And when you look at it on paper, we already sort of mentioned it. A huge favorite is Surreal Gone. Uh, undefeated as he comes in to take on a, a stalwart of the division in Derek the Black Beast. Lewis, the winner, will walk out the Toyota Center as the new interim heavyweight champion. Hey, everybody. TJ DeSantis, as I mentioned, alongside Pearl Gonzalez and Ray Longo. You guys have accused me of keeping this team apart. Well, keeping particularly you two apart. But I I can't hold a good crew down. The people demanded it. They got it. Welcome back to Extra Rounds. But, TJ, I I sense that you're you're not even happy with me and Pearl I see. Right, Pearl? Is it me? I'm like no, 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 no. I'm happy. When you're happy, I'm happy, Ray. Oh, right, I'm just right. always terrified that the next joke or next sentence might end my 20-plus year career. <laughs> hey, I love how he said he's not mad. Do you hear the tone in his voice? Yeah. I'm not mad. Yeah, I'm not angry. mad. He's very angry right now. Man, you know, you know, I just did that telltale thing of like, no, I'm fine. When you do that voice, you're not fine. Yeah. Like, you're lying. Yeah, you're not fine. No. Yeah, so we're going to keep it clean tonight, though. Oh, I mean, don't yeah. do that. Do you do that? You say that, and then everybody will just check out. They're like, wow, this yeah. is going to be a, a right. G-rated show. Thing. Then we might make a right-hand turn to Pearl's Paradise. If you know Uh-oh. That. Uh-oh. <laughs> that sounds like we've got a member on the program. I'm just saying, Ray. I'm just saying. I'm a big fan of the Paradise. What are you talking yeah. about? It's All right. Best place ever. Hey, heavyweights are going to fight in Houston for an interim heavyweight championship. And Derek Lewis fighting in front of his hometown, taking on Surreal Gone. When you look at the Black Beast, this isn't his first crack at a UFC heavyweight championship. People forgot uh, that he fought Daniel Cormier early in, in Cormier's run. But uh, this time he gets another shot at it. Uh, he takes on Surreal Gone. And, and the interesting part about this matchup is when you look at Surreal, he's been flawless throughout his career thus far. He hasn't met a challenge that he hasn't been able to pass, but Derek Lewis is unlike most challenges, and uh, we'll get to the odds here in a moment, but, uh, you know, Ray, I'll kick it off with you, because I firmly believe this. You know, Derek Lewis, he, he's a bit of a uh, an underdog here, and I don't totally understand it. As high as 3-1 to one in some places. We'll get to our DraftKings odds here in a moment, but when you look at that number, do they have it right, Ray? Like, I, I just feel like you have to quantify a, a line for betting purposes, but Derek Lewis is not a person I'd ever like to count out on, on paper because he'll make you eat your words. Right, and he, and he has a couple of times, even when he fought the, the tall Russian guy. I mean, he was losing every round of that fight, and he landed that you know, punching the, you know, he landed that combo in the, in the fifth round. And that's, he's always going to have you on the edge of your seat right up until the last bell, if he doesn't do it. Right. Cause we know he could get you out of there quick. So yeah, it's a little high for that. Cause it's not like he's a pity patter. He could end the fight at any given point in time. But uh, like, again, I think the fight looks, I mean, to me, I think they're basing it on the Volkov fight where he was kind of getting picked apart. And uh, I think it's going to look similar to that only, I think this guy's, you know, defense is a little better. 
Now, Pearl, when you look at Derek Lewis, I mean, this is a guy that you already talked about his cardio a, a little bit. I mean, he's he's taking on Surreal Gone, who, you know, athletically speaking, some will point that he's the, the better athlete. Now, things don't always work out that way in mixed martial arts. It's not, you know, skill for skill. Whoever the better athlete or whoever looks better on the poster doesn't necessarily win. But uh, are you surprised that, that Lewis wants to take this fight to deeper waters? Do you feel that that is the best uh, strategy for the Black Beast if he wants to get past the undefeated Surreal Gone? Absolutely. I, you know, Ray just touched on it. Uh, the beast has, has literally been losing up until the closing seconds of the fights and then finished a fight. So we know at any given point he can finish the fight if he lands. What I think that makes this even more interesting is yes, he's in better shape now. I mean, he's going against a technician. If you look at Gon, Gon has incredible footwork, great movement, very high IQ and awareness inside of the octagon knows where he's at, knows how to move and, and set up what he'd like to throw, set up his shots and, and, and just kind of set up his opponents into his traps. However, if there's any point where Derek Lewis, you know, was not confident, he is absolutely the most Der uh, confident Derek Lewis we have seen yet. He really believes and he has proof now he has written Proof. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. He can end the fight at any given point. So he has that belief that he can end this fight. So I believe, yes, he wants to be on point. He wants to be in great shape because when, if that moment comes, he believes 100% he can end that fight. Give him one shot. One clean shot is what I really believe he believes and he can do it. So, yeah, I do. I do see him making this an ugly fight, making it a pace that, Gone, gone, excuse me, doesn't necessarily like or, or just changing up the rhythm and switching up the tempos and paces. And, you know, just an unorthodox fight can really throw a very technical fighter out of their game. So I believe I believe that this may be one of his his tactics in this fight, Derek Lewis. Yeah, I like that you call him. Skype was killing you there for a brief moment. I, I like that you call Derek Lewis unorthodox because th that's a term that sometimes I think can be sort of mistaken as, as sort of an insult. You're an unorthodox fighter when really it can be one of your your bigger uh, sort of uh, uh, traits and qualities about a fighter. Derek Lewis is hard to, to fight, period. He, he is an unorthodox fighter in a lot of ways, especially in the heavyweight division where it looks like things are going south on him. But when right. you, you least expect him to be in the fight, all of a sudden he comes back and you know knocks your head off like, like you, you did against Alexander Volkov. Um, but but the odds have been, you know, shifted towards uh, Surreal Gone immediately. They've come down a little bit, but let's take a look at the current odds, courtesy of DraftKings. You look at Derek Lewis, Mom. plus 290. Uh, the favorite in Gone is, is minus 380, so nearly 4-1 to one when you look at that uh, favorite mark. Uh, I don't know which way you're going to go, but I know that our friends at DraftKings have really made a line that no one can pass up. DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing you plenty of ways to get in on the action during UFC 265. For this fight only, new DraftKings customers can bet $1 to win $100 on either main event fighter to land a punch. To land a punch. Not a knockout. Not to win. $1 to win $100 just to land a punch. 
Make sure you use the promo code FIGHTPASS when you sign up today. DraftKings Sportsbook. Bet with the only top-rated sportsbook app that matters. So th- that's a, a, a no-brainer, no doubt, in, in my mind. But when you look uh, you know, a little bit further and look uh, at, at this fight, if you are looking to lean one way or the other, it, it might be Derek Lewis because, again, he's hard to count out because he is so unorthodox and, and always dangerous, especially as the fight goes late. But you said at the top of the show, Ray, it's in Houston. It's in his hometown. This is going yeah. to be a pro Derek Lewis crowd. I'm curious what the crowd is going to do to fuel Derek Lewis's right. gas tank. I, I know that maybe that's sort of uh, hyperbolic at times, but we've also seen crowds really propel fighters to these great heights. And this is the biggest opportunity right now for Derek Lewis. Does that crowd inside Toyota Center play a factor come Saturday night, Ray? You know, but first off, though, let me just backtrack a little bit if you would have bet that dollar yeah on the Derek Lewis and Gano fight you would have lost your dollar because I don't think anybody landed a punch that, so you might, that, you you might be right careful. about it. that's true you be that's true with your money, TJ. that's all I'm saying you got to be but a dollar I, I can be frivolous with a dollar no all right cool getting back to your question yeah I think the crowd's going to play a big part I think Derek Lewis is that guy where he relishes in that and that's why uh I think he give him you know look is it going to give him a twenty percent shot? But I think it's it's worth a couple of percentage points. Uh, I think uh, you know what Pearl said with the uh, with the cardio too. If he could push a hard pace and get this guy tired to where it makes it easier for him to land that big shot, not a bad strategy. I don't know if he could do it, but um, you know I think. I mean, I I don't know, man. He he does have knockout power, but. He is going to be hesitant when something's always in his face or the guy's not there. So I'm, it's really a great fight. I'm, I'm excited to see it, yeah, how the, it plays out. The thing that the crowd sort of plays a factor for me, guys, in, in mixed martial arts is when there is a fighter in a close fight and they're the hometown favorite because they get yeah. the crowd reaction. And we know it's going to be packed inside Toyota Center. If this is sort of a, you know, uh, each fighter wins certain moments and it's a very close fight uh, after 25 minutes, that crowd could influence the judges a little bit in making them side a bit with, with, with Derek Lewis. So uh, I don't know. Is, is that something you ever sort of are, are cognizant of, Pearl? Like when you're in there, when you're supporting or just even at a fight, the, the crowd and, and how they react? Because I do think at times it can influence the judges and where they put that 10 after five minutes. Yeah, it does. It, it, it influences them in the way like you feel the energy, the energy and wherever you are, you feel that energy. And when the crowd is excited, everyone's excited. It just brings that energy. And so, yes, I believe that uh, the judges feel it now, whether or not they use that and base a de- their decision off of that, that, that I don't know, but I do know that it does. It changes the way you feel inside of the arena um, when the crowd is louder or, or whatever, you know, making making great noise. But the one thing I want to point out is Gan only has three years in MMA, you know, and that is that's incredible that he is just three years in and here he is fighting for the interim title. Is that a factor in this fight? Does does Derek Lewis having, you know, more experience, kind of that veteran ship, if you, I don't know the word, but, you know, having that veteran Will that help in this fight? Does that play another factor in this fight? Um, I know that Gan obviously has, you know, been in other sports and, and combat sports, but in mixed martial arts, it's only been a three-year career, and it's impressive. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a good point. You know, when you look at uh, Derek Lewis... 
I mean, Derek Lewis has fought for a title. Granted, it didn't go his way, but you know, having that experience, you got to think Ray is, is something that he can fall back on if the the pressure gets uh, as big as we probably think it's going to on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, listen, great point by Pearl. I mean, how's, how's uh, Cyril gone off his back? Right. You know, Derek Luce puts him on his back, man. That could, that could, you know, he goes on his back in that first round or he gets taken down. It's going to make him hesitant to do anything going forward. That could be a huge thing. So I think tactically, because of his experience, it opens up a lot of doors to strategize a good path to victory. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, too. Like, you, you mentioned, you know, gone on his back, Ray. Like, Derek Lewis could take it there, or he could knock yeah. him down and end yeah, up being he, he there. he ends up on his back. We got to see how, how he gets back to his feet, what kind of guard he has. There's a million things. So I, I'd like to, if I'm with Derek Lewis, I want to take this fight somewhere where we haven't seen Cyril gone. Yeah. I think that would be the first thing. And, and, and I think Derek Lewis could do that. You know, as far as the hometown, too, man, I'll never forget Weidman fighting Gastelum at the Coliseum. I think he got dropped at the end of the second round. But that crowd was electric, and I think it had a huge part to do with Chris coming back and winning that fight. You know, so I, there is something to that. You know, you know when you it, it energizes you. I think Gon, you know, like, again, he, he this is his first title shot in hostile territories. He seems like a guy that, to me, what I'm seeing so far, that he won't be affected. But who the heck knows? Like, again, he won't be infected, uh, affected, but again, he's on his back and he's uncertain down there and he's hearing the crowd and he's got this guy, you know, hammering down on him. Could be a different fight. Yeah, no, 100%. I'm curious with, with Surreal gone, you know, when you look at that grappling, that's another thing that people, I think, sort of gloss over and they don't really realize, you know, gone's a good grappler, but like, like you said, right, we haven't seen him work off his back. And, you right. know, sometimes that, that good grappler label ends up sort of, you know, painting with broad strokes when, you know, yes. some guys are really good top position grapplers, but they don't right. have that same sort of uh, aggression off of their back. And, and we'll see if uh, Derek Lewis elects to, to take it there. I would be surprised if Derek Lewis comes out and you know shoots a, a double you know right away in that first round, but you know w when you have the power that he does, I mean your opponent might find themselves on the floor, and, and it's up to Derek Lewis and whether or not he wants to pursue that. There, D do you expect Derek Lewis if he does uh, drop uh, Surreal gone early, Ray, to, to actually play on the floor, or do you think he's going to welcome him back up? Well, I think he'll jump on the floor and try to finish that fight. But he's got the power. You don't want that guy on top of you. No, no. You know, unless you're really well-versed down there. Yeah, I, I just, it's always a risk, especially when it's early, you know, because you're you're not uh, slippery, you could get caught. Like, uh, I don't know. It, it's it's something that yeah, he's going to have he, to think about. Yeah, if he, was, if he was afraid of his guard and he was a submission expert, yeah, he's going to call him back up. But I we haven't had any evidence no. that, you know, what he's going to do. I think... He knocks him down. He's going for the finish. I think that's what the Black Beast knows, and that's what he's going to do. I don't have any doubt in my mind of that. If it was like the fourth round, and he was, you know, he was down there already, and he felt, you know, the guy went for a leg lock, and he barely got out, then he's not following him down. But up until that point, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to terminate as soon as he gets the opportunity. You just called the predator uh, the Terminator, kind of like you're mixing yeah, up, kinda, you know. Kind of. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, I'm not going to put you guys on the spot and make you actually pick a, a winner, but do we have a prediction in, in the sense of whether or not this one is finished, or does it go 25? I believe it gets finished, and you know, going back to the grappling, I just want to touch base. Uh, if Derek Lewis doesn't have enough confidence, he just he just knocked out the probably the best grappler in the heavyweight division, uh, Curtis Blades. Right. 
Um, and you know, went and, and he was like, all I worked was an uppercut. So knowing him, him having a plan and being able to execute, we see and know that he can do that. So I believe that this fight does not go the full distance and I am going to pick Derek Lewis to win. All right. I mean, I, I don't dislike that pick, uh, at all. Ray, you have a, you have a pick either way. I mean, if she, if Pearl's going to throw it out, I, I need, I need a name from you now. I don't know. I, I you know, it's funny. See, this is the problem. You can never count Derek Lewis out. Uh, oh, how about this? How about this? I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, what do they call that? Cover all bases or something. Uh, I don't know. You're playing both uh, sides. If, it, if, yeah, if it goes the distance, Gone wins. Okay. If it doesn't go to distance, Derek Lewis wins. I like that. that. I like yeah, that. I think that's fair, about as safe enough. as you can. That's I was playing it safe. That, that's kind of the yeah. career of Derek Lewis. Like it might be like one minute left in the fifth round, and you'll still say that. Well, if it goes another minute, Derek Lewis yeah. is going to lose. But if it ends before that, he's probably going to win. Yeah. I, I like that, Ray. I see what you did there. You're like hedging your bet. That's good. I'm hedging my bets. That's the word. That's what I was looking for. We need a uh, Yanni. Right, correct me on the terminology. Oh, come on now, you, you hang out with Anik and Florian, you know, every every week. I'm pretty sure you know some of the vocabulary, like sharps and hedge, and you know, I don't know, units or something. John throws all that stuff out there. I don't, I don't, I don't know any of it. I'm, de I'm delirious when I do that show. That's I true. That's anything. true. That's true. Let's talk about our uh, co-main event. Uh, Amanda Nunes was originally scheduled to be in the spot, but uh, it's a different uh, bantamweight fight as former featherweight champion Jose Aldo takes on Pedro Munoz. Guys, I, I really don't know what to expect from Aldo in, in this matchup because uh, you know he's still relatively new at bantamweight, but he's coming off a win over Cheeto Vera uh, in a fight where, I mean, Cheeto's a, a tough up-and-comer. I think a lot of people were thinking that maybe Cheeto was going to get that win and, and sort of you know propel him himself further up the ranks, but uh, Aldo had uh, other things up his sleeve. What can we expect, Ray, here from Aldo? Because, again, he's longer in the tooth in his career, and this is still a division that we don't really know a lot about him at. Uh, but what we've seen is pretty damn good. I mean, his problem is going to be going five rounds at that weight, I think. I think because he, he, he probably struggles a little to make that weight, and I think he fades a little bit, but in a three-round fight, I mean, oh. you're talking about a guy that stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with Marlon Moraes, who's a big banger. Uh, Cheeto Rivera is no joke. I, I, pick, uh, I pick Aldo to win this fight. If it was five rounds, I'm not sure which way I'd go. But in a three-round fight, I think he's going to be very, very hard to win. Uh, he's going to have a reach advantage on uh, Pedro Munoz. He's got an experience advantage. And I think Pedro's... You know, he's got one way of beating you, a big right hand or catching a submission. I think he's got a great, uh, what's he got, Pearl, from, uh, great guillotine. Uh, but I don't think it's getting to that point. I think uh, it's a stand-up fight. And I think Aldo takes us. Who, what are the odds on this fight, TJ? Let's take a look, courtesy of uh, DraftKings. Uh, we see Jose Aldo uh, minus money at minus 115, but Pedro Munoz also minus money. Uh, technically, he's uh, uh, the underdog, I guess, uh, Munoz at, at minus 105 to, to Aldo's uh, minus 115. So uh, ab about as even as you can get, honestly, uh, for, for a fight like this. Yeah, um, I, that's, that is even, basically. But, uh, yeah, I'm going with Aldo on this. I think he's... I think he's looked pretty good at 35 for what we've seen. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he's 
took on tough competition as well. It's not like he came in and, and fought unranked guys. He's, he's been in there with, uh, you know, Peter Yan. He, he's, he's, you know, got that win over Cheeto Vera, who's definitely someone to keep your eye on. Uh, but Pedro Munoz now uh, is the fighter that stands in front of him. Munoz, uh, you know, he, he ran into uh, the reigning champion in, in Aljo, um, lost a decision there, and then uh, lost a split decision against uh, Frankie Edgar. But last time out, uh, took home a unanimous decision over a very tough Jimmy Rivera. Um, you know, I, I I kind of like what you're saying, Ray, where, you know, over the course of 15 minutes, Aldo may do enough to, to get the win. If it was 25 minutes, it might be a different story. But, Pearl, in your opinion, when you look at Pedro Munoz, what does he need to do to get, you know, time essentially on his side to to sort of reverse the roles and be the one that walks away uh, with the better showing over the course of three rounds? I think he's got to really come in and dictate the pace, first and foremost, and he also has to kind of manipulate the ranges. Uh, Aldo is just such a, has such great accuracy and he has such great, you know, range and movement and, and I mean, power, he hits so hard. He's obviously in a lighter weight now. So I think that he needs to kind of manipulate the ranges by coming in and, and just coming in and out and moving and, and really making Aldo work because I agree with what Ray said with, with cardio and this potentially, you know, or can be a tough weight cut for him. So I do believe you, you need to kind of gas him and, and break him down a little bit in that way because he is, he's extremely technical. He's a, he's just, you know, one of the best strikers ever, you know, he's, he's Aldo is that guy. So I think the biggest thing for um, Munoz and Munoz is a very intelligent fighter. I've, I've talked to him before in interviews and, you know, he's just, he's, he's very, very technical. He's very in tune with his body, with his nutrition, um, and, and, you know, just a very intelligent fighter overall. And so, um, I think that having that, that's an edge that he has in this fight is, is, is the weight and also just being able to utilize that and, and really kind of bringing it, bringing in and, and manipulating the ranges and pace for Aldo. It's a pretty important fight for, for both fighters. We mentioned, you know, they had a bit of a, a losing streak and then are coming off, uh, you know, pretty big wins. When, when you look at their rankings, number five is, is Aldo. Number nine is uh, Pedro Munoz. This fight might be one of those fights where it, it is very technical and it, it, not necessarily a plotting fight, but one where both fighters really choose wisely when they want to uh, uh, attack. And I'm curious, Ray, if it is a, a technical fight where both fighters are very measured and calculated, does that sort of favor Aldo or does it uh, favor Aldo if he gets a little bit more aggressive and, and makes us more of a, a, a wild fight? No, I, I believe that he's the more tactical fighter. I think that'll play into his hands for sure. You know, Pedro, you know, he needs you to stay in the pocket with him and swing like a lunatic for him. Right. So he's got power, but he's, it, it, I, he, he doesn't, he doesn't have the best reach in the game, right? So right. I think that's going to be the problem. He's got to get in or he's got to get you in that firefight where he could could do that. You know what I'm saying? And I don't think Aldo's – I just think he's too savvy at this point. He's seen it all. Uh, and he still looks pretty good. It's not like he's slowing down that much. Yeah. You know, one thing I'd like to see from from Aldo, if uh, he is able to be uh, technical in in this fight, is to bring back that that leg attack, that that low kick game. He, he's gotten away from that. Uh, do, do either of you expect Aldo to be you know the the fighter that sort of uh, shows that that legging uh, leg uh, kicking attack again, or or is that kind of past him? You could take it first, Pearl. You know what I would I would like to see like an evolved 
all do. And imagine his, I mean, he's got right these incredible deadly leg kicks, but imagine those going to the lower leg and, and the calf kick, right, and utilizing sure. that power and that accuracy that he has um, on the lower part of the, the leg and how devastating that would be if he can really get that. So, you know, obviously I think that it's a big part of his game. He's just so good at it. Even if he were to walk, like not train it, it's, it's in him. It's, it's embedded in him. But it would be really cool to kind of see him evolve. I think that the lower leg kicks right now are, are just kind of what's happening right now in MMA. So it'd be cool to see him throw some deadly low leg attacks. Yeah. And TJ, everybody I talked to for the last five years has been wondering where Jose Aldo's leg kicks went. So I don't expect them to be a leg kick. But I, I see this being a calf kick contest because Pedro throws calf kicks too. So it might get into that point. I don't know if that's what you want to do with a guy like Aldo, it's that's not a big adjustment for him, right? You know, and he yeah. starts banging, yeah. he starts banging that nerve. You're going to be in trouble. But I, as far as him throwing those leg kicks, I think those days are gone. Well, why do you think that is? Do you think he's uncomfortable at the range, or what is no, it? No, I, I, the only thing it could be is injuries. You know what I mean? He banged up his knees, yeah. something sure. you know, way he doesn't want to chance it. That's it. You know those. It's TJ when you're throwing as hard as he was throwing back in the day, especially like the WEC days. Hey, your leg doesn't hold up that good. You know what I mean? And now we're seeing a lot of leg breaks and stuff like that. But damn, I mean, he, he kicks hard. His his legs, I'm assuming, has to be destroyed. Yeah, one thing that I always worry, though, when we get like a, a leg attack heavy uh, sort of game is is uh, eye pokes. You know, people sort of pushing and, and, and yeah. you know, and like, I mean, if you're a fan of eye pokes, then you welcome that. Like, go pokes. But you, not many people yeah. really want those. So. I don't know. I'm just curious what we'll see. Because uh, also, too, Aldo hasn't done his flying knees. You remember the way he attacked Cub Swanson? I mean, he, he's a really good dynamic striker, but he, he just has been much more of a boxer and traditional yes. kickboxer than you know more yeah. of a, a, a Muay Thai guy. I remember when he fought uh, Jonathan Brookins in the WEC. I was at that show in, in Florida, and this is the first time I had seen Aldo fight live, and like it was it was disgusting. The sound that the the leg attacks were were making against uh, Brookins, and I mean, if you can kick like that, man, like you, you never want to get away from it if if you can do it. So you clearly. would definitely think so. But yeah. For some reason, he did get away from. It. I I can only think injuries. Yeah, yeah I, I, that's a good point. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> I mean, and, and that's the thing too. Although while he's not the oldest man in the world, he's been fighting forever. You know, we we talk about those WEC days. It's not often we show highlights and we get that beautiful blue cage. Right now, we're getting some some UFC stuff, but I mean the 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 WEC shade of blue is, is something special, and uh, it's going to become more and more rare when we uh, look at uh, uh, highlights uh, over the years to come. Let's take a look at a pretty fun welterweight fight. Michael Chiesa is back in action. Um, he's taken on Vicente Luque. H- how'd, you, how'd you say Luque's name? Hel- help me out here. I want to hear that Ray Longo uh, translation. I said it, Vincenzo Luque. I like it. I like it. Yeah, that, uh, you know, <laughs> he's a paisan. If I have another kid, I'm, I'm naming him Vincenzo. Vincenzo Longo DeSantis. <laughs> I went to an Italian restaurant last week. The guy's name was 
Giuseppe. I go, holy shit, I haven't heard that. Wow. That's an interesting name. Yeah. Um, Crazy, right? Well, Vicente Luque, he's Brazilian, and he's taken on the American and and Michael Chiesa. And and this is a a, a really good fight. When you look at, uh, you know, these two fighting in in the welterweight uh, division, their rankings, they're they're obviously high. Number five is Chiesa. Number six is Luque. So you can't really have a closer uh, fight, uh, you know, on the rankings. And, you know, one thing that I look at this division, Usman is supposed to fight Colby Covington uh, later this year. When, When I look at how these two match up you know again this is a, a sport where you have style points and style points go a long way obviously Covington is, is getting Usman but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a, a highlight reel sort of victory for either of these guys to put themselves as maybe the backup for the title fight if uh if Covington were to get hurt or, or just leapfrog um some of the fighters that are you know in their way because you look at Thompson Wonderboy Thompson he's coming off a loss Gilbert Burns is the other fighter that that beat Wonderboy he's already had his go uh with with Kamara Usman. So when you look at five and six fighting here, guys, this could be for a, you know, a number two contendership, if you will, uh, if they're able to turn in a, a nice performance. Go ahead, Pearl. Oh, floor <laughs> is yours. Yeah, I mean, there's so much going on in this division, but yeah, potentially, absolutely. Especially when you're, is it five and six or four and five? The five and six. Five and six, especially when you're in that top five. I mean, anything at any point you can you can come in as a backup or or get the call. I mean, we saw that before with like, uh, for instance, uh, Wally Zhang. Wally Zhang was number five when she got her opportunity at the title shot, just for whatever reason and whatever was happening. So yes, absolutely, that the, it it could potentially put them there. I mean, they're already kind of at the top. So this is it's defi- defining who is going to go into that upper echelon. Um, between these two, and it's such a it's such a close fight. I love this fight so much. What are your thoughts, Ray? I mean, do you do you have a lean one way or the other? Uh, Luke and and Kiesa, they're both uh, go getters. Uh, you know, trying to, uh, to to rise up the ranks. I consider Kiesa a friend, so I never ever bet against him. I really like the guy. I like what he's done. I like his perseverance in this sport. He's doing great with the announcing. I'm picking uh, I'm picking Michael Kiesa in this one. Are, are you picking him? Based on like an emotional thing, or are you picking him for? Well, not a, no, on a loyalty thing, not emotional. I'm not emotional. Well, like I say, he's your boy, so you're picking yeah, him because yeah. he's your boy. Okay. Loyal. Okay. So, so have you made have you made Chiesa Italian? Like, I mean, maybe Chiesa is Italian. I don't know. Oh, it, Chiesa is Italian. Is it? okay? All right, perfect. It's, see, like his, his father's actually from Brooklyn. Believe. Oh, really? Me. I didn't know that. Wow. You see, yeah, he stopped. He stopped by the gym a couple of years ago, and I was like, how the hell? Who's the other Italian guy on his team? Was great. Who was the other guy? Um, Sam. Uh, oh, Cecilia, right? Sam Cecilia. Oh, Sam Cecilia. Yeah, yeah. How the hell did you guys end up? Where the hell are they? Seattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sick Jitsu. Yeah. Man, I think he said his old man was originally from Brooklyn and traveled around a little bit with something, and right. he ended up over there. But yeah, no, he's a hundred percent full. He's Italian. All right. I mean, you know, I'm the only Italian, it seems, that has a last name that doesn't end in a vowel, so I, I can't right. even identify him. Longo, I get. Like, yeah. Uh, uh, one of our producers, Frankie, his last name's Red Zeppi. I thought he was Italian. He, apparently, he's Albanian, so I I don't know. I'm, I'm not good at uh, identifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, okay. All right, so I like the loyalty pick there. Um, yeah, loyalty th- pick. Th- this is- I think he, look, I think he's great, too. I mean, I think he... He fights that fight like he fought RDA. He gets it to the floor, and he, you know, he has his way with him. 
You know, one thing I will say about Kiesa, too, is since moving up to uh, welterweight from lightweight, I mean, he, he's been really solid there. And, and that's one thing that, you know, I, I think uh, as a mixed martial arts, you know, purist, someone who really enjoys the sport and, and wants fighters to be as safe as possible, anytime a fighter moves up to their more sort of natural walking around weight, I'm always going to be on board, especially when they find success. And Kiesa is a fine example of that fighter that is uh, finding success without having to cut that much weight. And he's a big dude, man. He's tall. He's yeah. a, he could hold that weight easy. Yeah. Now, um, Luke, uh, he had some trouble with, with Tyron Woodley and then came back. Um, you know, do, do you expect uh, Luke to uh, have a, a sort of firefight with Kiesa, or do you think he's going to be uh, a bit more uh, sort of close to the vest and, and maybe respect the grappling of, of Mike and not, you know, let go as, as much as he has in the past with his, with his stand-up? I, I expect them to respect them because of the grappling uh, 100%. I agree with you 100% on that. All right. So uh, we got one, we got one for, I mean, are you going to, are you going to just like piggyback off the loyalty pick of Longo here, Pearl? No, and, no? you know, I think that um, when you bring up the grappling, like Kiesa has incredible grappling and he, he does. he's a finisher. He's yep. a finisher. He's shown 100%. that time and time again. So if he can get this and get this fight to the mat, which I believe he can, I believe that he finds a way to, to get a finish in this fight. Um, I, I'm not taking anything away from Luki. I just know based off of watching both of their fight styles that that Kiesa does have that advantage. Now, can he get it to the ground? He's got to get through some, get through a lot of hurdles to get there, but he's done it before several times. I mean, he just finished. Um, what's his name? What's his name? What's his name? Tyron his name. Woodley. No, that wasn't who he finished last. He just finished um, Condit, right? Wasn't that his last one? I have to look. I thought it was Woodley. Maybe it was Condit. He just finished Carlos Condit with that crazy um, Kimura. Keep talking, Pearl. I'm looking. Fact check. Oh, okay, okay. 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 So, um, yeah. So he just, you know, he just finished him. I mean, he's no. He's his, 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 his last fight was Tyron Woodley. Was Woodley? Yeah. No, fuck that. All right. Fuck. Okay. So, anyways, he right. he did finish Condit, who is a I mean, a great striker. Um, you know, wait, you're talk- so- wait, 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 we're, we're confused. We're, you're talking about talking Kiesa. About- yeah, he's- yeah, yeah. No, Kiesa f- finished Condit. I'm talking Luke f- finished no, Woodley. No, but- I'm just explaining why I I agree with Ray on Kiesa winning this fight. And um, I believe that he can get through a, a good striker and can get the get the fight to the mat and, and he can fish yeah. out a finish. Right. He's done it before. He has done it before. Against good, a good striker, <clears throat> yes. a couple of good strikers. Yep. Yeah. All right, moving on. A couple of good strikers will fight uh, when we see the <laughs> tiny tornado and Tisha Torres take on mm-hmm. Angela Overkill Hill. This is a fun strawweight fight to say the least. Um, you know, I, I look at Angela Hill and I look at her run. Uh, she she's making her 18th octagon appearance coming up on Saturday, and and she goes back to season 20, of the Ultimate Fighter, where you know she had a tough go of things, was released, and then came back with a, a fury. It's hard to remember that Angela Hill essentially had no pro mixed martial arts experience 
prior to the Ultimate Fighter and sort of had that uh, trial by fire. Things didn't go the way that uh, she wanted to coming off the show, but she has rallied back and has put together uh, you know impressive fight after impressive fight, and she takes on uh, Tisha Torres. Uh, like I, it's hard not to feel good for the story of Angela Hill simply because she she's a, a, a go getter, someone that has sort of bridged that inexperience gap when it comes to uh, mixed martial arts in, in a very big way. And when you look at her uh, career and her last few fights, she's she's lost some fights, but those are fights that a, a lot of people will argue that she actually won. We're talking about split decision uh, performances and and things like that. Uh, you know, mo- most notably over uh, Michelle Waterson, split decision, and, and Claudia Gedalia. Uh, very talented uh, fighters. I mean, if you want to, you know, throw those uh, decisions the other way, we're talking about Angela Hill riding a, a six-fight win streak. Obviously, that's not how things actually uh, work, but this is a, a sneaky good fight when you look at uh, how these two match up. Number 10 is Tisha Torres. Number 12 is Angela Hill. And I'll, I'll go as far to say that these numbers don't represent the, the talent of both of these women at 115 pounds. Ray, we'll, we'll start with you. Your thoughts on Torres and Hill. Uh, look, great fight. Before we go, just the odds on the Kiesa fight go to draft. Even. Oh, uh, yeah, um, yeah, Michael Chiesa is even, according to DraftKings, wow. and the uh, the favorite, technically, in the five Vicente Luque at minus 120. Wow, cool. And I'm saying, and Torres and Angela Hill's got to be an even fight, too. No? Minus 135 for the Tiny Tornado, plus 115 for Overkill. Wow. Uh, I tell you, Tisha Torres has looked phenomenal lately. She really has. But I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with Angela Hill on this. I think she's she's definitely got a lot of experience with a lot of good people. I think uh, those split decisions, like you say, could have went either way. And I think she's going to try to rectify that and leave a clear, clear path. To, you know that she was the she's the winner. I'm going to I'm going to go with Angela Hill, although. Uh, Torres has looked phenomenal, but we'll see. I mean, I, I don't uh, dislike uh, any pick in this fight, honestly. Yeah. Both of these women are very talented. One thing I will say about uh, Angela Hill, and we talk about her split decision losses, like Angie does enough to be competitive, if not win a scorecard, every single time that she's out and in, in the fight goes the distance. Either she finishes you or she makes a really good case that she did enough to, to win the fight. Uh, Tisha Torres, I, I talked to her about a year ago when she said she just wanted to get mean. She wanted to get back to being mean-spirited. Uh, in fighting she she said she lost that edge a little bit and so far so good you know in the last couple yes. fights she has been mean and I think she's yes. going to have to be mean in this fight if she wants to uh, sort of leave an impact with the judges um, if this fight does go the distance Pearl how do you size these two up well you know I do think that there is a little bit of a what's the word not maybe animosity between the two they were originally booked to fight before for whatever reason it didn't happen Angie's been calling her out for months now, wanting this fight, asking for this fight. I mean, Angie's just like you said, she's a go-getter. She's constantly looking for a fight. And so she's been calling calling out Tesha um, for some time and saying that Tesha didn't want to fight her. And so I believe there is a little bit of animosity between these two. Um, I, I agree with Ray. Tesha has really made some some big improvements in her game and I, be- and, and I believe it has been her aggression or her intention when she's fighting these last couple fights. Like, she just, her striking looks so good. And then her yeah. intensity and, and power, I mean, she really has um, grown as a mixed martial artist. Um, and so I, I believe that she 100% can have, can have the striking advantage in this. She throws a lot of spinning kicks. 
She's a little shorter. She comes inside the pocket. She knows how to deal with longer and lankier fighters, which I believe Angie will be. Um, however, Angie, I have trained with uh, personally um, when I lived in San Diego a lot. And Angie is such a hard worker. She works so hard um, in the gym every day. She's constantly looking for ways to get better. She's been working really hard on her grappling these last couple of years. And um, her grappling has improved tremendously, along with her her confidence in there. Um, if you watch the way she fights, she is never standing still. She's always she's putting pressure on you without having to strike and hit you. She's she's throwing feints constantly, and there's a lot of movement from her, which gets you sets you off. And I know this personally. She it, it kind of sets your own rhythm off, and and. Um, kind of keeps you guessing and, and, and on your front foot and, 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 you know, just on edge, which can, can be a big factor in this fight. Where does the cardio go? Who has the better cardio? Um, and I do believe that Angie Hill has the advantage in the grappling in this fight. Um, she also, I believe, has a little bit of momentum on her side where she's just been fighting nonstop. I mean, as soon as she's not even out of the cage and she's asking for another fight, that's just the way Angie has been these last couple of years, just asking for fight after fight and, and taking last minutes. And, and she takes pride in being the one that the matchmaker can call if anybody falls out of a fight. So I do believe she has a little bit of momentum on her side, being that she has fought so consistently these last couple of years. Uh, but this is a pretty even fight. If I'm going to go with anyone, uh, I'm going to go with Angie. All right. I, I mean, I, I again, I don't like. I love uh, or, both of these ladies. I, 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 really yeah. do. I love I both mean, of it's them. I it's mean, it's another great scrap one yeah. way or the other. Yeah, no, 100%. this, this yep. one is definitely worthy of being, uh, you know, co-main event or main event on a UFC and ESPN Plus card. Yes. Uh, the fact that it's on the main card of a, of a pay-per-view is just a testament to how good this uh, this card is coming up Saturday night uh, in Houston. Ray, I just want to get your, your thoughts on the animosity factor that Pearl brings up. For some fighters, uh, you know, being angry can aid and help them in a fight. For others, it's a sort of a distraction. Do, do you lean either way? Because, uh, again, you know, Angela Hill is, is somewhat new to MMA quote-unquote she's fought a lot there now but uh she's also been a long time martial artist tisha torres has really grown up in this sport if there is an anger element do you uh you know use that and to inform your your decision one way or the other uh yeah look i don't know anything about the animosity thing between them but if if anger is what you need to motivate you and you can harness it and control it yeah then it's a great thing if it's going to lead you to make mistakes and you know, overdo things and you're going to run into stuff, then obviously it's going to work against you. I don't know either of them. So I think everybody's different with that. Some people have to fight angry. It motivates them and makes them tick. So I, I don't know. Like, again, I think Pearl could talk about it more because she knows who she is. But uh, Pearl? it depends on it depends on how you deal with it. You know what I mean? That's it. That's it. Well, I don't know Tesh, Tesha personally. I think we talk we talk on like social media here and there and, and we comment on each other's stuff. But I do know that um, Angie is is she she doesn't really take things personally. She's a she's a big shit talker. She likes to talk. And uh, I don't think she really takes that personally. I think that's just part of who she is and that just gets her fired up. Um you know, you just said that Tasha wanted to be more angry. And if there is someone that can make her angry, it's probably Angela Hill. Right. So that might be her secret. That might be the key to this. And, and seeing what we see, you know, maybe she brings out something that we haven't seen because this is a different type of fight. 
Angie is going to get in her face. Angie's not going to be respectful in this fight. Um, Angie likes to put a lot of pressure on you. She likes a closer fight. Being that Tesha is the shorter fighter, that may be an advantage for Tesh. Um, so I, you know, I just, I just wish both of these ladies a good fight. Both of them are great fighters. This is a great matchup and, and it can go either way. Yeah, uh, and I'll tell you, uh, uh, TJ on that note too, like uh, what you were saying about Angel Hill, like Aljo people think is a shit toy. He really doesn't harbor any animosity right. at all. He, he's just, I, I don't know, even know how to explain it, but. Sometimes people say, hey, I'm sorry, you know, it got crazy. He, the guy doesn't care. Yeah. Like, he doesn't, I don't care what he's saying. It has, I'm saying it has no effect on him at all. Sometimes I think he's just speaking his mind. It's, it might come across as shit talking, but it's really not. It's, I'm telling you, he's not a, not a mean bone in the guy's body, and he's not, he might appear to be one way, but it's going to have no effect on his performance. Yeah, for, for some fighters, when they say it's just business and we're just promoting the fight, they're, they're being yeah. honest. It really is just business, and they're yeah. promoting the fight. And then there are other people like Nick Diaz, who if you used to train one time with him and then ever train anywhere else, you're his enemy. So yes. that's, that's the type of person he is. I love that guy. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, don't, don't, that's the way it used to be right back in the day. Oh, I, I, I mean, I remember all the stories and, you know, uh, Nick Diaz like hated Tyson Griffin for the longest time because Tyson was a Caesar Gracie guy. And then he went to Vegas and started training with extreme couture. And it's just like, all right, man, not that big of a deal. But I mean, Pearl Gonzalez, she's making enemies everywhere. She's, you know, (laughs) in San Diego one week and Brooklyn the next. Jeez, Pearl. Pearl, what state haven't you hit at this point? Why stop at stage? She's going to countries, Ray. Yeah, we've been going to countries for years. I love it. Like, I'm part of that, like, GSP movement. Like, take me as many places I need to go to meet as many people as possible. GSP wasn't living there, Pearl. What's the longest you've ever lived somewhere? How long have you been Uh, in New York now? How long did you last in New York? Three months. No, it's only (laughs) been three months. Yeah, I moved there three months. I signed my lease in April. Now, is, um, that, is that considered a long time for you? No. So I was actually in San Diego for six years. That's where wow. I spent a big bulk. And before that, I was in Chicago. Nice. So this moving is very new to me. And moving around um, is new. But I'm single and I have nothing holding me back. So I don't give a shit, Ray. I love it. I'll pack I, my shit now so be, you're be a, on my way. You're a free spirit. I'm a free spirit. I mean, you gotta love it. I'll say this about <laughs> Pearl. Wherever she is in the moment, she's living there. Because we went to Mexico for like two days and she went grocery shopping like she was buying food for the whole month. That's definitely true. And uh, you know better than anybody, Ray, wherever Pearl is, it's paradise. Uh, there you go. All right. There you I go, TJ. I had to work that one in there. I'm sponsored, you know. I'm sponsored. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Let's talk about a quick Bantamway fight before we get you guys uh, out of here. We see uh, Song Dong take on uh, Casey Kenny. Um, you know, this is an underrated fight. It's the opener of the, the pay-per-view. And, and Casey Kenny is a guy uh, who's coming off a, a split decision loss to Dominic Cruz. Uh, has been a, a factor at 35 since he's shown up. Ray, you know him quite well as you helped Marab Dwalashvili get ready for him and, and corner against him. Um, Kenny's incredibly talented. Uh, someone that you know held gold outside of the UFC at 125 pounds, but has fit quite nice. Uh, in, in in the bantamweight division, your thoughts on on Casey Kenny coming off this loss, uh, split decision again to Dominic Cruz, but he takes on uh, Song Yudong. Uh, he's he's not anyone to to take lightly. He he's a factor uh, to, to say the least at one thirty five. Yeah, no. Look, I think if anything, he's maybe a little undersized, but 
a split decision loss to Dominic Cruz is no honor, you know, nothing, no problems there. I mean, I thought he did great in that fight, and he's been really, really looking good, man. He's on a roll, and uh, yeah, I'm taking Kenny on that. I, I really like uh, the way he buries that left kick. Got good combinations. He's got good wrestling. Uh, you know, if, if it is a knock, it's just maybe a little undersized. He's uh, 25. I think he'd be a terror. Yeah, I mean, I've seen him compete a bunch of his career there at 125 uh, when he was a champion at the Tachi Palace fights. And, uh, you know, he, he's a really good wrestler, has uh, extensive judo history, and yeah. uh, it's really taken to the Muay Thai aspect of things uh, oh, as he well. Looks great, man. Yeah. He's, he's been looking really, really good. He's coming forward. He's tough as nails, and he throws, man. He, he, he's on a great roll. And again, the fight with Dominic Cruz is nothing but just, uh, you know, something to build his confidence up that. He had a split decision with a guy who's still considered, you know, going to be fighting for the Bantamweight title or was a champion. And right. That's a that's a huge thing for a kid like that. And I think he's going to build off of that and just keep going forward. Yeah. And again, you know, this is a sport where you can afford to lose. And sometimes you come back yeah. better for losing. And not that Without Casey Kenny down. needed to lose to Dominic Cruz to become a better fighter. But, uh, you know, going going 15 hard minutes with someone like Dom, uh, you definitely got to believe I, that he comes out the I, better side for it. It's a confidence builder at the very least, and there's probably a lot of people that thought he won. So yeah, I mean, it it was a split decision. It wasn't one of those where the uh, judges were the only two people that thought, or the judge was the only person that thought uh, Casey Kenny had won that fight. So, Uh, but he takes on uh, Song Yudong. When you look at uh, Song, he's um, you know had some success in the UFC since he showed up there. Coming off his first loss though uh, in the octagon to to Kyler Phillips, he does own wins though over uh, Alejandro Perez. Uh, went uh, to a, a majority draw with uh, Cody Stamen. Uh, his last win was uh, last May, uh, well, actually a, a May a year ago, uh, to uh, Cheeto Vera. Um, you know, your thoughts, uh, Pearl, on, on Song Yudong? Again, he, he's coming off that first loss in his uh, UFC run. I've heard, you know, fighters talk about uh, losing that first fight in the octagon being sort of a, a freeing experience because the, the pressure is sort of off when you're the next big thing is there any truth to that like, do you find fighters take that even if they're not undefeated uh, elsewise you know this they, they drop that first fight after having a few wins in, in the UFC D- does that relieve any of that pressure who are you talking to me or Ray? you Pearl <laughs> oh man I wasn't sure because it was you know I said your name but it's all right actually I think she was uh confused with the dong I, 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 mean, I was gonna say I mean yes, actually, uh, she can't get past so, the guy's Dong name Pearl has was the best name ever <laughs> Pearl was Pearl was looking off into space rewind rewind remember when I said I, I'm always nervous and anxious this is why ladies and gentlemen this moment right here what's the matter with the dung what are you talking I didn't about? say anything. I, said I, I, I love I, his name Sonya Dong you cannot get any better than Sonya Dong Pearl was in space <laughs> She goes, who are you talking to? <laughs> yeah, Pearl Taylor. I mean, his name's good enough just being Song. Like, Song's a great name, too. Yadong. Yeah, don't yeah, don't song, forget yeah. the Yadong, please. Don't forget the Yadong. Um, anyways, okay. <laughs> you know, Song has really, Yadong has really great. <laughs> what am, what am I going to do with you two? <laughs> Okay, okay, get it together, get it together. Okay, so I think he has great striking. I mean, look at him. He's coming inside the pocket. He's got great movement. He's not just throwing a throw. He's setting up his shots. He packs power. 
you know, I think that this, uh, I, I don't know. Like, like you guys said, the, what's the other guy's name? I can't think of his name right Casey now. Casey Kenny? Yes, Casey Kenny. Who she, she's is out incredibly- of it. She's out of it, TJ. We're not taking. She's not coming back either. I guarantee you, she doesn't come back from this. Ray, I need you to be a good coach. Help her get back into the fight. Okay, come on. All right, focus, Pearl. Casey Kenny is is a very well rounded fighter, and like you said, he just he just went and had the split decision with loss to Dominic Cruz, who is one of the greatest ever of all time, right? And if anything. Not only does that give him some confidence, that gives him a lot of experience. You cannot go against someone at a high level like that for that for, for an entire fight and not improve and not walk out of that octagon a better fighter. So with that being said, I mean, he does. He has a lot on his side, a lot of momentum on his side in this fight. <clears throat> I do give it to Kenny. Casey. Yes, Casey Kenny. Yes. <laughs> I He's do hanging think tough. Kenny's Pearl, you're to... doing good. You're hanging tough. You're doing better than I thought you were going to do. I do. I do believe that Kenny Kenny does win this fight, but I do. I, I think that it, your dong is going to make this a great fight. Well, not not my dong. It's the, his dong. All right, what are you talking about? Listen, let me tell you something. TJ, oh hang tough. TJ, hang tough with me for a minute. I think again the movement of Dom. Let me reel this back in. All right, thank the, you, Ray. The movement of Dominic Cruz gave. Casey a, 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 a couple of problems, but when you're going to stand in front of this guy, I think he that's where he's going to shine the best. All right, I think we won that round, believe it or not. Holy crow. I'm delirious. I mean, if we didn't win that round, we at least lost it 10-9 rather than 10-8, because that's where we were. We were in 10-8 territory, and Ray got us back on track. I, I, I saved the day. Oh, man. You saved the day, Ray. Oh. All right, so I'm just going to like isolate this show, and when you guys accuse me of keeping you two apart from one another, I'll well, know be exactly why. All right, Mr. Teacher, he's doing it again. Look, Pearl, he's scolding yeah, us right now. You, you know, I feel like Ray like thinks of me as the teacher from, from Charlie Brown. You know, the, the teacher goes, womp, 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 womp. Like, I'm not even like saying words. Pearl looked like she, actually, that's what she was hearing when I was... Trying to talk about Song Yudong. She was just. Yudong, look, he had to say it. He had to say it. That's his he name. He had to bring it back. All right. All right. I, I really don't want to lose my job, so I think we should probably wrap up here. All right. All right are, are either of you hanging out with me uh, post fight on Saturday night? I know it's it's a it's a late one for you, Ray. I'm Ray. If you if you want me there, I'm there. I always want I'm you there. Ray. All right. Let's well, go. Let's I'm gonna do have it. a glass anything, of wine. Anything to see Pearl. That's oh, okay. okay. Pearl, we don't we don't necessarily need you to have a glass of wine, but I mean, you can. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to. I say we Perfect. light this, this MFR up on Saturday night. Let's start do drinking. it. In fact, start drinking now, it. Pearl. All right. Yes, so so this is it. the problem. When Pearl gets lit, I explode. That's the problem. Oh, come on. You got to roll with the punches. Right, That's the, I just have to say that. You're terrible. All right. All right. Pearl, um, go, go back to your paradise. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll see you guys later. Bye, guys. Have a good night. Great catching up with you again, and congrats on your bare knuckle fight. Outstanding. Thank you, Ray. I hope to see you Saturday. I'm definitely going to be there. TJ. Yes. (laughs) 
Can you put a smile on your face? I'm buddy? smiling. Hey, I don't think we've lost our job yet, so I'm just trying to get <laughs> off the air and remain employed. All right, let's go. All, All right, right, we're out of here. I'm leaving. Take it Bye. easy. All right, see you guys. Ray Longo, Pearl Gonzalez, always joining me here on Extra Rounds from UFC Fight Pass. Uh, they'll be back coming up uh, this, uh, let's see here, Saturday night for UFC 265. Uh, it is going to be a fun one. Ray, you got to hang up, Ray. There we go. I hung up on Ray. Um, so uh, make sure you're here post-fight. We are not done yet. Uh, Going to catch up with UFC welterweight um, uh, Jason Witt about uh, talking about his fight, uh, fantastic fight, uh, on uh, Saturday uh, against Brian Barbarena. Uh, we will get to that interview coming up next. And uh, stick around. It's extra rounds here on UFC Fight Pass. We're back here on Extra Rounds on UFC Fight Pass. Joined now by UFC welterweight Jason Witt. The Vanilla Gorilla was on the right side of a majority decision last Saturday night in Las Vegas. And if you want to talk about judging and, and how crazy MMA judging can be, look no further than the Brian Barbarena and Jason Witt fight. Jason, he had a hell of a performance. He got an extra 50K uh, for it. But when you were going into the uh, decision, did you know you had this one wrapped up? Yeah, man, I, I really figured, you know, with round way round one and two went that the, the judges wouldn't give it to me. I don't, I don't think like my coach, James Krause, the, at the uh, between round one, between round two and three, he said, hey, we're up to just don't get finished. Right. This right. is the last the rest of your life. And I was like, OK, I can do that. And then when it got announced as a 2028 20, by the first judge, I was like, like either if you, okay, if you give him a 10, eight round in the third, which yeah. which understandable, but I, not. In a sense, you got to give me round two as a 10 8. I agree. Now you drop me, took him down, controlled the cage most of the time. Like, so I don't see how you get 28 28 in that entire thing. So, I mean, it is what it is. I got the W at the end of the day. That's all that really matters. Yeah, that's what I'm. I'm in agreement with uh, with with uh, the ten eight round. Like I, I'm all for being liberal with the ten eight, but if you don't reward every single round that is dominant with a ten eight, then you have a disparity. Which uh, a twenty eight twenty eight scorecard, in my opinion, uh, I didn't I didn't really like that because, like you said, I, I think if you were gonna you know award a ten eight in the third, then you probably should have gotten a ten eight uh, in the second. Very close with that guillotine. Let's go to that moment where you rocked him and you decided to jump uh, guard for that guillotine. Were you? Con- confident that that you were going to be able to get that finish and, and when did it become apparent that uh you weren't going to be able to wrap that up yeah first i was not uh i wasn't i i, I didn't think i'd ever drop him like he's one of those guys like you hit and he just keeps going forward and i knew that that's how the round was going to go so i didn't expect to drop him you know once let alone twice so right pretty stuck that. uh and when i dropped him he kind of just my when i went to like just hold him down my arm just kind of slipped in a guillotine i just felt it there and like it felt tight and i was like okay so I just jumped it, which I didn't jump it the way I should have. The the angle wasn't right. The, the, the whole thing didn't really go well. But it really paid off because I had him tight. Like the, the whole the game team was tight. I could hear him breathing and hear him gurgling. Yeah. I'm just sitting there praying, like, man, just just tap. Let's just get this over with. I don't gotta deal with a round three, round two is over. Um, but I knew I knew once he kind of brought his head up and let a little bit, he had a little bit of space. I could tell I didn't have my, like my arms crossed enough to get the guillotine to finish. I should have used it to sweep, which you can hear Krause yelling in the corner, try to use the sweep. Um, but I knew he was gurgling. I knew he'd be a little more tired. You can see once I let him go, 
he didn't like pressure towards me. He just kind of backed off on the cage and was just trying to catch his air. So it, it paid dividends, but at the same time, I was like, we were looking up at the clock, like, okay, I've been holding this for probably about a minute. I should probably uh, not gas my arms out because I got yeah. to go. Uh, you know, you talk about the sounds that he was making. Um, yeah, I think Keith Peterson was was hearing those sounds as well because he was getting really close, actually pulling at the arm of Barbarina to make sure that he was still uh, conscious. And, and obviously he fought through it. Uh, you mentioned James Krause in the corner. You know, that's one thing that I think a, a lot of people have become aware of uh, during the pandemic with these you know limited crowds is how good of a coach James Krause is because of the way that he interacts with his fighters. It can be heard now more than ever. And uh, man, like you're one one of those guys with Kraus where it's not good job wit it's not good good job jason it's good job jason wit like your name must have been said 45 times which might actually say something to the judges it's hard not to write down a 10 next to your name when they hear jason wit 80, 80 times in a single round but you know talk about that relationship with Kraus because he really is obviously a, a respected fighter but he's come into one of these uh, you know premium highly respected well-recognized coaches as well over this pandemic that people can actually understand and, and hear what he's saying to his fighters for sure uh let me just start with this the fact that James Krause didn't even get nominated as coach of the year, that man has been there for like 10 weeks straight upon times and times again, right? Yeah. The fact that he didn't get nominated as coach of the year is absolutely absurd. It's ridiculous. I don't, I don't, that put man puts more time in to coaching than anybody in the game that I've seen, right? Um, yeah, he's fantastic. Also, there is a, a Reddit page or a Twitter page or something that criticizes Krause for his coaching style. They think he overcoaches. Really? Think he does too much, which I think is also ridiculous. But it's just he cracks up about it. It's funny to him. But like, there's a page that just talks shit about him and the way he coaches. They think he does too much, which I'm I completely disagree with. I'm one of those people that I like to be yelled at. I need, especially in that third round when you need, you know, what I mean, like that coaching staff really willed me through that third round, just hearing them yell at me, do this, do this, do this. Like it's, it really works out well for me. Um, Krause is by far the best coach, uh, not that I've only been with, but that I've seen in the entire game. His instructions are fantastic. You don't just hear like, hey, do this, do this. It's a specific game plan that he has for you that he knows what to do during a live action fight, which a lot of coaches don't do. I don't. You, you, I mean, you're, you're hearing coaches um, coach in the fights now because you can hear them. You can hear what they're saying. Right. But you can see a significant difference between James Krause and other people. And I think people need to understand that. He uh, he really just sets your organized game up and then puts it in live action. It's like, if you look at it, it's like playing a video game. Like, he says something, I do it. Right. Or I'm why he's saying it. So it, it And that's really the works. goal. I mean, not a lot of fighters can actually respond that way. And and I, I hear uh, some some athletes that are coaches uh, like Kraus say that, you know, being uh, in the corner is actually more nerve wracking and more, you know, pressure filled than when they're actually fighting themselves because they have to try to get you to do what they want to do rather than when they're fighting themselves, they can sort of just do what what they want to do. One thing about that nomination that you bring up, and I'm curious, do you think that Kraus maybe isn't getting the recognition as a coach because he still is an active UFC athlete himself? Maybe I think it's I think it's the the caliber. You know what I mean? We have a lot of guys in the UFC that aren't obviously top notch guys, but that's not what coaching is about. Right. You got, got some of the guys who might have they might coach three fighters, but they're huge people like Kamar Usman or someone. I don't. I'm just throwing out examples. Sure. You got people like that. You know what I mean? So I don't I don't think it's the fact that he's a fighter. I think it's the fact that because when's the last time he fought? Months like year last year. Yeah. It's been a while. 
I mean, he's he's coached, you know, 16 people since then. So I think it's the fact that that uh, some people are coaching championship fights and stuff like that, but that's one person. Kraus is coaching 47 fighters all at once. You know what I mean? So, so I think I think that might be a play a little bit different in people's minds. I don't know. No, that's true. I mean, there are a lot of things that I, I don't think people really do take into consideration when it comes to uh, recognizing the the premier coaches and you know someone like Kraus. Like I, I don't know how he ever fits in training himself because, like you said, he's training everybody. He's at every UFC essentially in the corner of uh, of someone. And man, like he he seems and sounds a lot more uh, fired up and passionate when he's uh you know cornering guys like yourself than you know when he's getting his hand raised in the octagon by himself. Yeah, his his goal is to be the number one coach. It's not his goal is never UFC champion. That's never what he wants to be the best coach that ever was. Um, so you can tell that he wants to. Do. Yeah, he's he's super passionate about it. He's he's he's, he's a great coach, man. I'm telling you. Now, coaches are really important in the sport because over the course of 15 minutes or 25 minutes in championship fights, it really comes down to the athlete that makes the the right adjustments that usually gets their hand raised uh, in these really close fights. Looking at Brian Barberena, uh, he was a favorite. You were a near 2-1 to one, uh, underdog uh, in this fight. Um, what adjustments did you make? What did James tell you in between rounds that solidified this win for you? Uh, one of the things was mid-round. Mid-round, first round, you see Barberena kind of double jabbing his way in to try kind of we call it the creep. Like he just tries to creep in a little bit to get that one, one, two. Uh, and James like, Hey, I just need to disengage that. And you can hear it in the fight. He's like, disengage that one, one, that double jab. And you can see me just kind of step out the range just a little bit to say, you know, just so he can't get that, that creep in a little bit on me, which that pays dividends. You know, I lost the, the Santo fight because of that. You can see Santos throw out a couple jabs, which I didn't recognize the range at the time. Cause well, I took the fight on 48 hours. on it was, 48 hours notice. I just wasn't the thing. Um, between rounds, he's like, man, you're doing a fantastic job. Just just, just uh, fit in the takedowns a little bit more. You don't have to finish the takedown. We just call it a fit in. Like, just just shoot in just to get him against the cage and just keep that pressure. So, I mean, there wasn't a – I mean, the whole the whole first first and second round, I was a little surprised by, honestly. I thought the whole fight was going to be round three. Like, that's how, I, that's how I visualized the whole fight being because, well, it's Barbarina and that dude just – that's how he fights, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, so I didn't expect the takedowns and the fit-ins to be so substantial. I expected to be a little bit harder. I watched Colby Covington fight uh, numerous times, and Colby had Colby took him down quite a few times, but had a little bit more trouble. I feel like I took him down a little bit easier than Colby did, which is surprising considering you know it's Colby Covington and I never wrestled in high school or anything. So right, so that, that was a little bit surprising. Um, but yeah, he just he just kind of just said, "Hey man, you're doing a great job here. Let's keep doing this, 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 and this." How, how much were the takedowns emphasized in the game plan? Because, you know, Barbarina has great power. You obviously were able to, to take him down at points. You know, in, in the close moments of that fight, those takedowns, I think, really paid dividends. Not only the takedowns paying dividends, but also getting him away from the fence. That first takedown, it looked like you were trying to get maybe an arm triangle, but the fence was was sort of in the way. Was there a, a conscious effort to try to get those takedowns and, and maintain space once you got them? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the the, the main game plan was Barbarina's a big big puncher he's a big fighter you know what i mean so if i can put him against the cage and wear him down a little bit even not even take him down just wear him down just make his arms a little heavy get him settled into the fight then it's going to be a little bit easier for me to withstand you know the barrage that he that he throws at you so to get him taken down i wasn't really looking for a submission the first round uh i kind of fought at the cole williams like into the cole williams fight i was trying to wear him out and get him tired right that's all i wanted to do just makes things a little easier takes away a little bit of his power which obviously didn't do because that dude still hit hard so 
but yeah, the, the takedowns were really just what we wanted to do just to kind of get him settled on the fight and not, not hit me as hard as he possibly can. Takedowns go a long way with judges. And in this fight, I mean, we're talking about one judge who added 28-28. Um, do you focus on a game plan ever with the judges in mind? Or is it always sort of practical trying to get the finish uh, when, when you assess uh, how you're going to approach an opponent? I'm one of those. I'm, I'm a weird person. It's weird. I talked to Cross about this, too. Um, I'm one of those weird people. Like, we don't game plan much for me. Uh, because for me, I'm an overthinker. Like, I will overthink and overanalyze. And am I? I'm going to tell you this story, tell you a different story. In weightlifting, I used to live with an Olympic weightlifting coach, and he'd be like, okay, you do this, this, and this. And I couldn't get the bar to go over my head. I couldn't lift it to save my life. He's like, all right, go away for five minutes, come back. So I go away, come back, you know, just pick the bar. And I'd throw it over my head. Like, so really? I overthink. Yeah, I just, I don't know why it's the way I am. I'm, I'm very athletic. It's like I'm good at doing stuff, but if I overthink it, I get my mind gets in the way, then things, things don't work out the way they should. So Cross is really like, we didn't really formulate a game plan. It's like, hey, this is where I want you to be. And then in class, he'll just put drills together kind of for me. But for the whole class, we got to learn the whole thing. We'll just, that's the game plan is we'll just drill this over and over and over again. You know, like shoot in single leg, take down DC1. That's where we're going. And that's how the fight played out. You know what I mean? That way I don't overstress things. I don't, I don't overthink it. It just works out naturally for me. Well, this was a fantastic performance. Uh, you know, the highlight, I think, of your UFC run thus far. Where do you think this this fight of the night performance sort of puts you uh, moving forward? Do, do you feel like you're going to get a, a sort of, you know, maybe a, a fight where you can showcase yourself on a main card? Or where, where do you see this? That's a great question, man. Uh, I, I, don't, I do think it's my best fight of my entire career. UFC, amateur days, all this. I think it's the best fight I've ever had, in my personal opinion. Um, I don't know. Like I'm not, I'm not a call out guy. I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, let's, let's go here. I just, I do what I'm supposed to do. And then I let my coaches be like, Hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we're fighting. I'm like, okay, that's it. Let's, let's do that. So hey, that's, for, where I go, for, that's where I go with things. For someone who, you know, may say they overthink things. That's probably the best approach to have uh, in, in a fight career. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I paid them good money to do what they're supposed to do. So there's, right. there's no reason for me to, you know, work myself up on it. Well, you got paid some uh, pretty nice money uh, with that bonus. Uh, you know, when you were going back to the dressing room and, and d did you watch the, the, the rest of the fights, did you feel like, you know, you were you were in that top position for, for fight of the night and just sort of hoping no one else was going to take it away from you? Uh, man, I never made it out of the dressing room. Never made it back to the dressing room. I went, so win, lose, or draw in, in most of my fights, I still have to go to the doctors. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. So the last fight I lost in 16 seconds, I still have to the doctors for like 45 minutes. Right. This fight, they still sent me back there for 45 minutes, which I understand, but it's like, so So most of my wins or losses, I'm still in the same place. I'm not at the dressing room. I'm just sitting back there waiting for the doctor to clear me. Man, you got to get a cornerman with uh, like that ESPN Plus app on the phone or something so you can just uh, have that when whenever you're hanging out waiting. Uh, they, there's a TV back there, so at least okay. I can see that. There you but go. I was, I was so out of it. I it wasn't. I wasn't like concussed out of it i was just so physically exhausted out of it sure that like i was nauseous like you know if you work out way too hard you want to throw up right uh that's kind of how i felt and so i laid on the ground for a little bit one of the coaches brought me a brought me a coke and i drank that and five minutes later i felt better got a little caffeine got a little carbohydrates back in my body and, and i was good to go after that
Well, if anybody ever deserved a Coke in that moment, it was uh, you, Jason Whitman. Like, that was a hell of a performance. Uh, Congratulations on uh, getting uh, the win uh, fight of the night. And uh, anytime the Vanilla Gorilla is inside the octagon, you can be uh, sure that we're going to be watching because you're a hell of a prospect, hell of an up-and-comer, and and, uh, fun to watch. Oh, man, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Jason Witt joining us here on Extra Rounds. And, uh, you know, we're, we're always on Fight Pass. We want to check out the archive. But there are a ton of upcoming events this weekend. It is a stacked weekend. So we invite you to step into our world. Starting on Friday, got CES MMA kicking off at 4 p.m. Pacific. At 5, we are live with Titan FC 71. Lux 15 at 7 p.m. Pacific time. Then, of course, on Saturday, if you are a fan of grappling, you cannot miss Polaris Squads. That starts at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Getting your fight day started the right way and then of course the uh, early fight pass prelims for ufc 265 at 3 p.m pacific time i think we might be live as well uh, i gotta talk to our uh, producers frankie and steve about maybe doing a little bit uh, more of a pre-show on saturday getting you ready for those uh, fight pass prelims we will uh make a a decision on that so make sure you stay close to the uh, fight pass twitter uh, my twitter as well at tj desantis uh, april gonzalez at ray longo MMA. Use the hashtag extra rounds and uh, you can always come up with questions. We can get them back uh, on the show on Saturday. Uh, Let's take one more look at the odds courtesy of DraftKings and uh, I can't stress this enough. This might be the biggest no-brainer in all of betting. Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing you plenty of ways to get in on the action during UFC 265. For this fight only, new DraftKings customers can bet $1 to win $100 on either main event fighter to land a punch. Just use the promo code FIGHTPASS when you sign up today. DraftKings Sportsbook, bet with the only top-rated sportsbook app that matters. The Black Beast, Derek Lewis, plus 290. He is the underdog in his hometown of Houston when he takes on Cyril Gaon, uh, minus 380 for the Frenchman. Jose Aldo is the slight favorite over Pedro Munoz. Even money on Michael Chiesa. Vicente Luque is the favorite at minus 120. The Tiny Tornado, Tisha Torres, is a favorite to Angela Hill. Uh, minus 135 for Torres, plus 115 for Overkill. Song Yudong, minus 105 uh, to the more favored Casey Kenny, who is at minus 115. So uh, that's where the odds are if you want to bet this. Uh, you can ha- have a sure bet that will be live immediately Following the fights, uh, myself, Pearl, and Ray going to break down who will become the new interim UFC heavyweight champion. Will it be Derek Lewis? Is it Surreal Gone? you got to buy the pay-per-view to find out and then come here and digest it with us on Extra Rounds. For Pearl Gonzalez, Ray Longo, and Jason Witt for coming on the air. Thank you, sir. I'm TJ DeSantis saying thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And uh, we'll see you next time as we go a few extra rounds courtesy of UFC Fight Pass. from UFC Fight Pass is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only.